Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Bored and Bitchy Podcast, a place where we love to talk about all the mess that is 90 Day Fiancé. I'm Evie, and I'm an LA girl who's currently living in London. Hi, everyone. I'm Kat, an LA slash California girl who's currently living in Arizona. And my warning for y'all is that we drop profanity from time to time, but you know it's guaranteed. And now that that's out of the way, some of you are probably like, where the fuck have you been? Um, Because we haven't dropped an episode. We've been recording them. We've just been storing them for winter. I don't know. It's my fault, y'all. I (laughs) am incompetent as fuck. So for everyone that's messaged me and that I've messaged you back, it is my fault. I I would be more apologetic, except that we don't actually make any money out of this show. So, you know, I have to prioritize my money-making endeavors, my health. But I actually am truly sorry. And I do really, really appreciate Every one of you that has reached out and asked how we're doing, if we're okay, Kat is still alive, she is still employed, her husband is still watching all the shows more than us, but we are back and we will be consistent, I promise, for at least a while. You know, it's funny, sorry, quick tangent, it's funny, like all these, you know, um, professional empowerment tips are like don't apologize in the workplace unless you actually mean it and I agree like I am generally apologetic that this is the case for this podcast but I will say for my paying job like I will apologize if it means I get an extra bonus for I don't know just accepting feedback (laughs) I always apologize if anything I think that's like the um thing that I need to break you know how they tell like women like stop apologizing, apologizing yeah and I have to always check myself because I start some emails where like apologies and then I have to be like no I don't apologize for no. this <laughs> <laughs> for me it's more so the external piece I don't want to be like listen it's not me these incompetent assholes behind me are the ones that are not getting you what you need but I can't do that you know because it's external so I do have to be like apologies <laughs> anyway apologies for that random tangent let's get right into it let's get into some piece of news This is actually huge. You know it's big when it's off of like the regular reality blogs and it's on TMZ. So this was major. Oh, yeah, that's a very intellectual news source. Please go on. (laughs) I'm just saying it's like major (laughs) news. Um, That's for like even non 90 day people. They're like, I think everyone needs to know about this. Uh, This dropped on the 7th of July. So a lot of you that are very clued into the 90 90 Day Fiancé world will have already heard. I still wanted to mention it. Pedro has officially filed for divorce from Chantel. It's huge. Mm. Um, He filed back in May. In court filings, he is claiming that the two separated a month ahead of time. So that means they would have separated back in April. And he said the marriage was... Irrevitably, irrevitably broken. And one of the reasons he cited is that Chantal siphoned off $275,000 from their joint bank account without their permission into a bank account with her in winter. And he says that is their joint money and he is asking for it to be returned and equally split. So drama. Girl, that is some hot tea. That is a lot of fucking money to just be like swindling your partner out of. Yeah, I'm sure there's like a deeper story. Obviously, we we haven't heard the other sides of it, but still, that is massive. And it's just big because um, Pedro and Chantal are one of like our original icon couples that, you know, historically we've, we've 
followed for so many years. A lot of you watch their spin-off show, uh, Family Chantal. So this puts a lot of things into question. Mm. Knowing TLC, they will continue to film, especially if there's going to be a messy divorce. and Oh, yeah. Siphon. Chicken wings flying. <laughs> yeah. Definitely some kind of Thanksgiving table turnover over this money. So, mm. I mean, I, this might be the first season I watch to see this kind of all crumble. And, you know, I bet that her parents are absolutely happy that this divorce is finally happening. But they're also really upset that it wasn't Chantel that initiated it. Mm. <laughs> so. Even though maybe she kind of did. You know, if they we don't know. Oh. They've been separated for a month. We have no idea. And she took the money. I I do. I mean, all joking aside, obviously, I feel bad when anyone's relationship ends uh, unless it was like, you know, toxic or abusive. Um, I think what makes me sad about these two is we met them so young. And this is a couple that I felt was tr truly genuine in like their attraction for each other and like real chemistry. Yeah. And I would have been interested to see if they would work for the long run if it wasn't for their families. Both of their oh, families yeah. are the ones that fucked this relationship up. Absolutely. I mean, let's not completely say that they had a golden situation because they both had some maturing to do and like that maturity or lack of maturity is what allowed their families to come in. But it was, let's say, at least 85% their families doing. Definitely. And it, I, I remember when we first met them and we got a taste of family Chantal and the mom in the little cowboy hat. The little cowboy hat. <laughs> and they were accusing um, Pedro of harvesting the American dollar and they refused to get out of the van and be like his grandma. So we were like trash, trash. His family, her family's all trash. But then we met his mom and it was like, oh, maybe any better. <laughs> Girl. Well, listen, you're you're over there with the very kind sentiment of like, it's so sad to see someone's relationship. end. I'm over here like, can even Muhammad please finally end their relationship? They got 44 more days until it expires. And I think that Muhammad should try to go find another sponsor, because even though I don't know the law and apparently he doesn't either. I know he can't just find another one. So I'd like to see him go try Rafi or someone else at the coffee shop. <laughs> I think he is, you know, and obviously immigration lawyers uh, come at me. Well, don't come at me, but, you know, message <laughs> me kindly with real information. My understanding is, let's say these two are getting married. Eve is applying for the spousal visa, but she, with her income, doesn't meet the income threshold. She could kind of like Asuelo, Kalani's dad, and that whole situation Eve could have roped like a, a friend. Yes, a co-sponsor mm -hmm. to be like, you, you know, I'm not the one marrying this person, but I am putting my name down and I can be financially responsible to meet this threshold. So I think that that is what Muhammad is thinking. Uh, unless he's just really like, let me go find another American bride that's about to like <laughs> marry me in 10 days and sponsor me. Who knows? Maybe he is. But I feel like that is what he's saying. But obviously we know communication is not a strong point. No, it's not. It's not a strong point. And it's not because I don't know if it's like because he's unable to communicate, but like the man has barely attempted to communicate, which then leads me to the question of text messaging someone some very strong <laughs> words when you're just like two rooms away from them within the same dwelling. Can I just say not to immediately put us on a personal tangent uh, that oh people probably don't care about, but I, many years ago, lived with a gaggle of women, um, good friends, <laughs> uh, fun times, New York City, single girls, getting fucking wild. It was great. Um, but 
we had a very um, a falling out with one of the friends. Let's say that the relationship as roommates, and not just with me, with the rest of the girls, started getting very contentious. And we knew that it was truly hitting a boiling point when we would be in the same room with this person and talking normally for an hour or two, nothing brought up. It was just regular fun conversation. What are we doing for brunch this week? And then mm-hmm. she would leave the room. And when she was like, you said two doors down in her own room down the hallway, we'd get these angry text messages <laughs> like, if you guys don't buy any fucking toilet paper this week, and we were like, wait a minute, what? You were just here. <laughs> She's like, but then I went to the bathroom and realized you bitches forgot to buy toilet paper again. <laughs> it was nuts. And I won't continue the story, but I will just say there was also some aggressive tweets. So, you know, the relationship <laughs> has completely crumbled because you could just come down the hallway and talk to his girl. So when I saw Muhammad do that, it was very triggering to me. And I'm like, sir, literally walk into the room and have a conversation with her. <laughs> I mean, I know who you're talking about. Like... <laughs> I know you told me these stories and yeah that was a shitty situation especially because of the lack of toilet paper but yes um so I guess Mohammed was like I've had a boiling point I don't know how to communicate to her so I'm gonna text us and there was a part of me that thought did like Rafi put this in a text message for him and then he copied and pasted it over and that's why it had to be in text format because he couldn't verbalize it but you know here we are and like the theme that we saw last week and this past week, because heads, heads up, y'all, I forgot to mention we're covering two episodes at once. It's He doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't give a flying fuck about this wedding being special. He wants to go down to the mosque and then sign some paperwork and be done with it. And Eve's over here, like, hunting down historical buildings in New Mexico to have the most perfect wedding with her quote-unquote king. Was that a historic location? Girl, I don't know. I, I was not a fan of it. I was like that. This is very off-brand, like House of Gucci. Like this is like <laughs> House, House of Fuji. Like, yeah, it just this is not. a poor man's gaudy. Like I don't, I don't know what this is, but I wasn't into it. So I'm like, when she was like, "Oh, Muhammad doesn't seem that excited." I'm like, I don't think. I mean, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be I like, yes, I'm excited about this location. But surprisingly, he's like, yes, the venue is beautiful, but I don't care. Like, I want my paperwork. I want to start working. I want to start my life in the U.S. And I also want to go back home to visit my mom. And it's like, sir, I don't know that you've thought this through. Like, you can't land a job and be like, listen, I'll be back in three weeks. I'm going to just go to Egypt real quick. <laughs> so, And I get it. Like, maybe he doesn't mean it in that order, but he just has a whole life ready to go ahead of him, with or without Eve. So what I am sensing from this conversation is that you are team Eve in these in this situation? I'm team neither one of them because these fools have the audacity to want to merge their lives together and get married when they haven't even talked about the fun, like fundamental belief systems that they each have and how they're going to mesh. Like how the fuck are you going to just barely talk about the ceremony and the spiritual perspective of it while you're touring this awful venue? I just have to say this venue is horrible. <laughs> And this situation is horrible. I never thought that I would see a venue um, that I would instantly dislike more than (laughs) remember when Tarek took Hazel to like the all religions, no religions, non-conforming spirit. Yeah, that actually had a beautiful garden. I I mean, it wasn't. (laughs) I was about to say, like, he was trying to show us the selling points of like the founder of this organization was set in this velvet church. What? Who the fuck is that? But. It ended up having a beautiful garden. This, when we're walking through, it's like, "Eh," and I was like, maybe there is a beautiful outdoor space. No, 
No, it just, it was a no. Um, I'm with you. I, it, in reality, obviously I'm team nobody because they are both wrong in different ways, but for the sake of this podcast, um, I will choose a side to make it most interesting. And if I was truly pressed, well, I hate to do this. I am going to be on team Muhammad. Again, I do not approve of his communication style. <laughs> you should talk to people in person. Um, I don't think he's a supportive partner and I don't think he's ready to get married. And I don't think that Eve should marry him at all. This relationship is terrible. But I do understand the fact of him wanting to get married. If if they truly plan on getting married, like it's not like Eve is saying, actually, I don't want to get married now because I actually want to take the rest of the 40 days to truly figure out our differences and make sure mm-hmm. we need to be together. She's not saying that. She's just saying, I need more time to plan my dream wedding. I don't see why there can't be a compromise where you literally go to the courthouse, sign some paperwork, send that off to the visa office, and then plan the actual ceremony that you want with as much time as you want at this house of Fuji, whatever, with whatever <laughs> spiritual guide you want. Like, why can't it be both? Because I understand what Muhammad is saying. As someone that's applied to, for a visa to live outside the U.S., it's very nerve-wracking. They take your passport while you're waiting for this. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, while you're waiting for the verdict. And you and sometimes they don't take passport, but you can't travel during that time. And you don't know mm-hmm. if the decision is going to take a month, six months, eight months. COVID has made everything take longer. So I understand his like, hey, eventually I would like to have the option to be able to visit my family. I want to be able to be self-sufficient, maybe get a driver's license, work. So I don't see why she doesn't get that that's important while also then being able to be like, we'll do this the quickie way, which will literally mean nothing. It'll mean you be me and you signing paperwork at the courthouse. And then I can plan my dream wedding. It's like there's no in between between them. Mm hmm. You know, but another couple that has actually come to a compromise and has included some spirituality is uh, Jabri and Miona, because as we all know, Miona wants her beach wedding and she wants it to be big. Jabri just wants to have a quick like wedding because of money. So they have agreed to have their beach wedding in about a year so that they can save money and invite their people. And in the meantime, they'll just have an elopement. The spirituality part comes in Jabri saging the whole house to prep Miona for the conversation she's going to have with Mahala. <laughs> he needed to sage himself <laughs> and incorporate himself into this conversation. Why is Miona the one breaking the news to his mama? Right. So I know, I know. I do think that like, they should have done it together. Good- they should have done together, and I do think it was a good move on Miona's part in that she wanted to leverage that as an opportunity to, like, start building a more positive relationship with Mahala because it's been off to a very rough start. And I think she's only been in the U.S. for, like, three weeks at this point, something like that. But, yeah, she took the opportunity to talk to Mahala. His contribution was he was saging the room, and Mahala <laughs> looked at him like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, nothing, just saging, right? And it's <laughs> like, does he normally do this? Like, is this not throwing her off? <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's that weird to sage a home. but <laughs> I don't think so either, but we haven't seen him do it before is my point. <laughs> he hasn't had to have this difficult of a conversation <laughs> yet. Um, I do think that it was nice of Mahala to be receptive to wanting to have this conversation with Miona. But how do you think that it really went? Um, Not well. I I struggle with this because I feel like Again, you know, I I understand both 
guys, in looking objectively, if I'm not a mom in this situation, I feel bad for Miona. And I do feel like at the end of the day, Jabri's an adult. He has put himself in this situation. They have had his parents and family have had multiple conversations where they try to counsel him if he's not happy enough to go through with it. And he still wants to go through with it. So mm-hmm. some points you just got to let an adult be an adult. And if he wants to elope, if he wants to have, you know, a wedding in a year and a beach, whatever it is, he's decided that. And then that's what they need to allow him to do. It's not like he's like telling them that he's going to like pick up a heroin addiction or something like that, you know, <laughs> but at the same time, as a parent, I could sympathize. Like I would want to be there. Like, yeah, I'm going to be hurt if it's planned so that I'm not necessarily there or, you know, or if I feel like my son's not really happy and is being pushed into something. Yeah. I'm not going to feel great about it, but I do respect Neona for owning up and being like woman to woman, I'm going to have this conversation with you, even if it's a hard conversation. And I'm going to let you know to your face that this is what we've decided on. I just Mm -hmm. wish like that his mom would realize at a certain point, like he's a grown man, he's made this choice and you know, you kind of just got to let him do what he's going to do. Yeah. I, I agree with you on all of that. Um, and I mean, I, Either I caught this or I wasn't paying attention, but it seemed as though Mahala's neck was getting more red as they like progressed in the conversation. Like she heard elopement, her blood started to, you know, rise up. Then she heard like elopement in Joshua Tree, which is a national park in California. (laughs) It's like in the middle of the desert. Um, you know, and so she was just like, okay, what's Jabri's take on this? I do like that Miona said, I'll let Jabri speak for himself. Um, but then here comes after the conversation here comes i think his name is ronald like his dad wanting to speak for everyone and calling the situation bullshit and a train wreck so it's like do the men just not speak up because i don't think i've ever really seen ronald speak up he maybe said one word at that very tense dinner um yeah he did say the spaghetti or the the bolognese whatever they made was okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and, and like, let's call Jabri out for other things, too. You know, Mahala recognizes that they have some growing to do. And the words she used were like they pick the, the rough or the toughest road or whatever. But like Jabri, if he really wants to be out there making his music, then he needs to go do that. And he just he needs to stop blaming Miona for it because he made the choice to stop doing his music. Um, you know, so hopefully these two figure out how she can best be an influencer, how he can best be a musician and then be able to like get on their own two feet. I am also confused by the situation though, because I don't feel, or maybe I, I missed it. I don't feel like Miona disinvited them. I just think they don't want to make the trek to California to be yeah. part of it, right? And, uh, yeah, it's that. She she told her, she told Mahala, like, you guys are welcome to come. And Mahala immediately said, well, because you guys don't know where it's going to be, but do know it's going to be out of state. That's not enough notice for us. Granted, again, they haven't, like, finalized the date. <laughs> They're not saying <laughs> we're going this weekend. Um, and I understand that economic situations are different, but I would hope that a parent who loves their kid and wants to be there would at least say, well, give me the details and then I'll look into it instead of immediately being like, I can't, I can't make it. It's going to be outside of rapid city. No, I can't do that. I have this ankle monitor on me. Like I'm not allowed to leave the city, you know? Yeah. It's like their weird silent protest about like why it's happening far away or that it's only like Miona's vision and not Jabri's. And sorry to go back to Miona's vision. Mm -hmm. I thought I was also very puzzled by this because Miona's thought process is 
well, I wanted a beach wedding, but if we don't have the time and the money for a beach wedding, then I'm going to go the complete opposite and still go to California, but now I'm going to do the desert. And I'm like, y'all are still flying somewhere. Like, you know, (laughs) so now it's just like blame desert instead of beach. like just odd. I don't know. It is odd. It is odd. Let's go over to Patrick and Thais and kind of the odd situation that is happening here with this threesome of a a roommate situation and Patrick deciding that because, or sorry, not Patrick, John deciding that because Patrick is his brother, he can go ahead and accost uh, Thais in the kitchen about her decision to not tell her father about the wedding. Well, I mean, I think it was a double. It was accosting her about the decision to not tell her father and then also her cooking abilities and her recipe because he was truly (laughs) disturbed by it. To the point that he had to ask Patrick after Thais had left what he thought about the dinner. And when Patrick kind of forced it, yeah, it was fine. He was like, was it? (laughs) Come on, bro. Bro. Come on, bro. To, To be fair to John. I I didn't think it was weird. I saw a lot of people online being like, who the fuck puts ketchup and mustard into a recipe? I don't think that's that weird because I, you know, Dijon mustard, she didn't use the fancy one, but used Dijon mustard for a lot of things. Like, that doesn't seem weird to me. I looked up Brazilian stroganoff and mm. it did actually require Dijon. So I guess Thaisis didn't have like the fancy stuff, but it was ketchup, Dijon. It also had a lot of other stuff like flour and things I didn't see Thais use, but maybe we just missed a few steps. I will mm. say, though, even if made perfectly, what I read online did sound yummy. Thais, from what I could tell, she just served this chicken, like, you know, like man- sauteed or something. Yeah, it was a it was a, a yeah, like sauteed with ketchup and mustard with a side of sour cream. I didn't see no rice. I didn't see no potatoes. I didn't see. A I think t- there were noodles. I think she boiled noodles. because That's how you're were supposed there? to eat the enough. Yeah, I oh, think okay. so. Because I was about to say, otherwise, I'm not eating this as chicken with sour cream. (laughs) Well, listen, while you're focused on that, I'm focused on John's offer to talk to Thais's father on behalf of Patrick. (laughs) And honestly, I would love to see that. (laughs) If the producers really wanted to make a show, they would have convinced Thais and Patrick, that that is the way to go. If anyone needs to call Thais's dad, it's John. Because you know Thais's dad is just like, I don't know what the language this man is speaking. Is this English? <laughs> what is this? Sir, this is a very specific regional dialect. <laughs> the American language. American English language. Um, okay, one quick comment on like last week's episode. And then I want to focus on this week's episode because John continues to deliver. Um, John last week was telling Patrick about, you know, the bachelor party and like we're going to go and starts comparing women to ice cream flavors. And it's at this point that Thais was eavesdropping. And when she confronted him, his voice got so high pitched. Me? Bachelor party? No. And, you know, it just was so funny. Like John was comparing women to ice cream flavors, but at the same time then became a feminist when he corrected Thais and saying, don't use the term strippers, they're exotic dancers. Pick a lane, John. <laughs> well, no, he wasn't comparing women to ice cream flavors. I think he's using an analogy because <laughs> uh, Patrick was saying, which he keeps on trying to remind us that like no woman in the world is hotter than Thais. He did this at the party where he's like, no yeah. woman is hotter. These girls are ugly. You're the most beautiful, whatever. And now he's saying there's no stripper out there. That could be hotter. Like the chances of a stripper being hotter than Thais are so low. And I'm like, don't get me wrong. Thais is a stunning woman. Yes. But she's not the only beautiful girl that exists. Yes. There are other beautiful, sexy women. And 
I understood John's uh, little example where he gave like, yeah, bro, like I like mint and chip, but sometimes Rocky Road is good too. Like they're all good. You know what? To that point, then, yes, I think John is just a feminist with colorful analogies. <laughs> exactly. He's letting us know the different flavors of exotic dancers and women. We can enjoy all of them and they are all equally delicious. Well, he's also letting us know that he will not allow Patrick to choose a pinstripe suit for the wedding. And I'm going to say thank you, John. That is a good brother move. See, Thais doesn't even realize that John is the voice of reason. Like, <laughs> he's trying to get the dad involved. So they start on really good communication and good solid footing for the relationship. He's not letting Patrick go out there looking crazy. He's <laughs> trying to get the chicken not be overcooked. Like, John is trying to be very helpful. He is. But you know what I will say, like, maybe he shouldn't speak to Thais's father because he was saying that his taste is impeccuous. <laughs> and I think he was thinking impeccable, but then was trying to say impetuous. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know, John, maybe you should not have this conversation on behalf of your brother. Ah, sometimes it's mint and chips, sometimes <laughs> rocky road. Rocky road. What is your take on Thais saying that Patrick is controlling? Is he or is he not? From what we've seen on the show, I wouldn't call him controlling per se, but I would say some of the decisions have been made in a thoughtless way. Um, mm. I think that there, in a lot of ways, Patrick is a great thoughtful partner. And in other ways, he's just being really absent-minded. And I don't know if it's because like, He's just not used to living with her, being in this like serious relationship, or he is just kind of selfish, or and he's just like Mr. Go Go Go. I'm just gonna plan and without questions, because whether I think he feels because he's paying for things, then he can make like executive decisions, and that's not the way a relationship works, you know. Like and especially a marriage, I totally get his reasoning for wanting to have it in Florida. I guess this mythical two 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 two, like fine, <laughs> yeah. all of that. I understand. And if I was Thais, I would have been like, fine, whatever. Okay, we're cool with that. Your family will be there. But don't be booking my makeup artist and hairstylist without my consent. Like that is a big part of the of the wedding, you know. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just been a lot of these like little things, like even when she was bringing up the house, while I don't, a few episodes back, I don't agree that she should have been like a brat about it and like complaining about the house because it's a beautiful house. But I did get her point of like, she's living there. She's going to move to a new house. He could have asked for her input. He could have showed her pictures. He could have given her some background. Like, that is what a partnership is. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Like, I don't think that he's necessarily controlling. I think he does like to take the lead when he needs to. And I think he gets the impression that he needs to because um, Thais's communication skills, like her English isn't as strong as his, obviously, like maybe not strong enough to have a conversation over the phone. But like in this day and age, you can text people. Um, as far as the hair and makeup thing goes, I think that was a misunderstanding because she sent him the info. So maybe he thought, great, that's what she True. wants. I'll book it. I don't know. But like, I do not appreciate that he continues to say, well, I'm paying for it as yeah. his rationale for doing things like that is a that's a power move, even though he's over here playing the victim of like, I don't want to have to take lead. I don't want to have to. But I'm paying for it. Well, what's going to happen when like Thais is finally able to work? Like, are you guys not going to have a joint account? Is it going to be like tallying up each person's responsibility financially or the inverse? Like what if she just chooses not to work? Like, is she going to be under your thumb the entire time? 
That's an excellent point. And that actually is controlling. Do you know? Like, it's actually, yeah. go back, the definition that is trying to have financial control over someone. Like, Thais literally cannot work at this point. So, yeah, she's fully dependent on you. He threw money at her at one point. So, yeah, just. Oh, because, that was horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Just because you earn the money does not give you the right to make all the decisions. So, like you said, I feel like some of these choices that he's made has been more of like being thoughtless than being like, it's my way or the highway. Right. Um, but still doesn't make it correct. On the other end, though, Thais is also extremely immature. And this whole, like, yes. Patrick having to, like, basically give her an ultimatum or push her into a corner to tell her dad is insane. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Well, we are living on time, so I'm going to move on. But I will just give one more, like, shout out to John because, you know, he doesn't do totally wrong. So Thais went out with some friends. And I don't know if you caught this, but she met those friends at the house party mm-hmm. that John threw. So, you know what, John? You just, you're on a roll, man. You keep giving. Thais should apologize to John because he is the reason she has her two friends in America. Thanks, John. Yeah, thank you, John. And one of them is Brazilian. So whoever put thought behind inviting that one person, like, thank you. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's move over to Biniam and Ariella. We only got one week of them, and that was last week. And it was a little bit of a doozy because somehow her soon-to-be husband and her ex-husband were both involved in the process of buying her a pregnancy test. This has got to be the most French shit, like – I don't under like I could not I don't even have words. I don't understand how Ariella continues to think that it is so wrong for Biniam to spar with another woman without telling her, and yet her ex husband is walking in and out of her house willy nilly. He's gonna be accompanying her, or was gonna accompany her to go wedding dress shopping. He has mm-hmm. no reason to be there. Which, by the way, sidebar. I love that Biniam, at least the bit we saw in his confessional, wasn't as disturbed that it was her ex-husband going with her and how inappropriate it is that he's helping Ari pick out a wedding dress. But instead, he wanted to really let us know that Leandro is not that fashionable. So (laughs) why would his opinion be important at all? Those that can't do teach. Maybe he can advise. He just can't dress himself. That is an excellent point. But yeah, so Leandro stopped by to go wedding dress shopping instead, went out to get a pregnancy test. And I just did not appreciate how Leandro was having this conversation with Benjamin in the car about how many kids Ariella wants and we'll ask her when we get home. And I'm thinking this is a fucking stupid conversation, but it was made only more, you know, let's just say stupider since we talked about the Chantel family. It was made stupider by the fact that Leandro then made it a point to actually ask Ariella once they were back how many kids she wanted. And not only that, made even stupidest by Ariella (laughs) being like, wow, my ex-husband knows me better than my future husband. And it's like, bitch, because he you've known him for like seven years longer than Binyam and you continue to tell him all the gossip, like cut him out of your life. If you Mm -hmm. maybe cut him out of your life the way you should have and focus on communicating with your husband, maybe your husband would know you better. Girl, girl. Yes. Fucking gross. Um. (laughs) But so she takes the pregnancy test, right? And I'm like, at this point, I'm like, Leandro, are you going to leave, my dude? Like, don't you have a flight to catch? You really have to be here for all of this? And I don't know if you caught this. Like, it's subtle, but it's body language is everything. When it was time to announce the results of the pregnancy test, she started off by looking at Benyam and then turned her head to Leandro to announce it was negative. And mm-hmm. I know maybe I'm reading too into that, but body language speaks volumes. 
Well, I do feel like they had this weird secret thing of like Leandro being like, I know her better and I know she doesn't want to have, you know, 10 baby the way that uh, <laughs> the way that baby wants 10 baby. He's like two baby max. You don't want 10 babies. <laughs> and obviously Ariella was aligned in that thought process. And to me, it felt a little like kind of like reassuring each other. Like we do know, like we know each other instantly. He doesn't get it. And it's like, yeah, but he's the person you're engaged to, you know? Mm. So like this should have been, he shouldn't have been there to, in the first place. He shouldn't have been at the you know, celebration, Ethiopian holiday. Like none of this should have happened. But mm-hmm. if he was already there taking him to take to buy a pregnancy test, his ass definitely should have just dropped Benny off and be like, all right, good luck, my bro. Uh, good luck, <laughs> my dude. Ten baby. <laughs> Ten baby. We'll be cheering for you. Whatever happens, happens. He didn't need to be in the living room there to see the negative. I'm saying. I know. I know. I'm saying. Well, um, let's go over to Karen and Guillermo because I also have qu- some questions on her behavior and maybe maybe you feel the opposite. But like I just so, so let me backtrack. OK, so last week they went to the rodeo. Great. It was fun. He got the cultural experience, the American cultural experience. It was last week that they decided they were going to meet in the middle on wedding plans that they were to have something that's a little bit bigger than courthouse this time, but not extravagant, which is great. Fantastic. So fast forward to this week's episode. They've done a shit ton of wedding planning, like hyper speed. Um, they met with an efficient that was probably entertaining and I'm mad that we didn't get to actually see their um, situation. But like it's now two days, I think, before the wedding. They yeah. go out to have dinner and Guillermo feels empowered to let Karen know his concerns. What was your thought on one, his decision to tell her this two days before the wedding and two, her reaction? Well, first, you left out a crucial detail that one of the main reasons that Guillermo felt empowered to bring this up is because of an illuminating conversation he had with his hairstylist. Kizzy. (laughs) He said her name like five times. Kizzy. He was very, he's like, you know what? Sage advice. I will bring this up with my future wife. So you know what? It was a very worthwhile haircut. Whatever he paid her, he should have like definitely tipped her double. Um, mm. But yes, yeah, so do I think it's appropriate to bring it up two days before the wedding? Is it ideal? No. Would I want it to happen? No. But I think it's always appropriate to bring up concerns. I would rather you tell me two days before we get married that you're having concerns about a relationship than two days after we get married or two years mm-hmm. after we get married. Like, I think honesty is always the best policy. And to be fair to Guillermo, I don't feel like he brought it up and being like, I'm not going to marry you. I'm having cold feet or I've never said this to you, but I'm like really pissed off. He has voiced this concern about her partying and drinking. We've seen it on the show. So he was just kind of like trying to reaffirm like, hey, I love you, but there are some things that I'm nervous about. And I thought Kara's reaction was really overblown or she could have been like, okay, uh, kind of killing my vibe before the wedding but let's talk through it what are we willing to are we willing to change are we not and the reaction I got from her was she was like fuck this I like to drink I like to party and if you don't like it then I guess we're returning all these 100 little uh tequila bottles of Patron we'll send them my way <laughs> I guess not returning them because she likes to party she was just fucking drinking the party yeah I agree with you and thank you Kizzy for empowering Guillermo to speak up yet again um Like, I think that he was absolutely right to do it now instead of after the wedding, right? I do agree with you. Her reaction was over the top, and it was very like, so now you don't want to marry me. He wasn't saying that at all. Um, It was just really over the top, like you said. And 
I think that part of Guillermo's frustrations, not I think, I know, part of Guillermo's frustrations is that he feels like she is controlling of him. And we saw that in the beginning of this past week's episode where she's like, what's your game plan? When are you going to get a haircut? All these things. I sided with her just a little bit in that, like, if he's not communicating to you what the details are, then, of course, you're going to question him because you just want to make sure everything goes right. But I do think, and this is total hypothesis on my point, that she continues to think of him as someone who is significantly younger than her and therefore not yet adult enough to take care of these things. And again, that's a hypothesis on my point. But if I'm correct, then Kara, girl, like he's going to continue to be six years older, than, like younger than you throughout time. At some point, you have to trust that you've chosen to marry an adult for all their great qualities. And if they say they're going to do something, take the leap of faith and give them the chance to prove themselves right. And uh, totally agree with everything you said. And I think the age thing is not helping because I do think she sees Guillermo as a little bit of, like more immature than her and someone that she kind of needs to like guide. Um, but if you remember back to her um, like vanilla ice looking ex-boyfriend or whatever <laughs> at the uh, reunion. You mean the post Malone post um, <laughs> stomach stapling? <laughs> oh, that's very post post Malone. Like don't, <laughs> don't do daddy post like that. Cause <laughs> I am a fan, but um, no, uh, he let us know even back then that she was super controlling and it's got to be Kara's way or the highway. And they're the same age because they were at the same high school reunion. So I think this is, I think Kara is a strong-willed woman. She knows what she wants. And sometimes when you have that kind of attitude and your partner doesn't always share, then yeah, you need to kind of like simmer down, give them the space to talk or give them the space to talk. And Guillermo also needs to, you know, I don't know if he needs more visits to the hairdresser, Kitsy, but... <laughs> He needs to be empowered to, you know, communicate as well. I also love that, like, he let us know that in the Dominican Republic, it took like three years and seven different hairstylists for him to find someone who actually knows how to cut his hair, which is interesting because his hair is straight. And so you would think it's more like malleable. Um, so not only did he find a great marriage counselor in Kizzy, but apparently she knows how to work his hair. So I think he's he's set as far as who will be cutting his hair for the rest of his time in Charlottesville. Yeah, he won the fucking lottery there. And also, um, TLC, once again, I beg of you, we don't need these episodes to be an hour and a half long. They can be a tight 60 minutes because I did not need five minutes about Guillermo's hair journey in the Dominican <laughs> Republic. That, that was completely unnecessary. So you're saying I shouldn't have brought it up and I just wasted two minutes of <laughs> no, our time? <laughs> I appreciate you bringing it up because it reminded me that while I was watching, I was like, are we still talking about his fucking hair? Like, I'm not that interested. Well, let's move over to Bilal and Shida. We'll leave um, the elephant in the womb, as was the title this past <laughs> week's episode, for the last. So Bilal and Shida last week, you know, this whole, like, are they going to get married? Are they not? Continues to come up. The prenup continues to come up. I do appreciate that Shida took some time to take Bilal and his kids outside to do some yoga. It's something that she enjoys. And she wasn't too serious about it. She wasn't like, no, you're a... a Anasana or asana, what I don't even know the yoga terms. Your downward dog isn't great, you know. She was like, let them be, um, you know, giddy and all that, and so that was nice. It was interesting though. At the end of the yoga session, you know, instead of riding this high, he's trying to open up a conversation, and she's like, can we just kiss and stay in the moment? Well, the moment came to a head this past week because here comes the prenup in hard copy form. And why did it take so long to get this hard copy Girl. prenup? Like. <laughs> 
Bilal said it to us like we should be so grateful. Like, you know what, Shida brought up that maybe it wasn't the appropriate time when I did it on our romantic Ferris wheel or boat ride, whatever it was, um, carriage ride, uh, and that she couldn't really read it on the phone. So I have been a gentleman and printed it out. And I'm like, that should have been printed out ages ago when she first brought it. Why have we been having all these days of in limbo? She very clearly stated, I will consider this if one, I get access to legal representation, so let me talk mm. to your lawyer. I need to fully read it, so give me the hard copy. And mm. I have my own stipulations to put in, which is only fair. So let's go to the bargaining table. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Shida needs to voice more that like she gave up some income um, when she gave up her studio in Trinidad. So is there a clause that says that he will grant her X amount of money to mm-hmm. like, compensate her and offset so that the, she's on an equal playing ground, right? But um, I think he's still being a little bit cagey with the prenup. Like we haven't brought up the whole clause for, for kids and that kind of thing. And she also brought up an excellent point of like, what if I'm a stay-at-home mom and it doesn't work out? Then like, I'm screwed. Bilal's counter was, are you going to cheat on me or divorce me? No, but shit happens, man. People like even without infidelity and without the idea that you want to divorce, like sometimes love just fizzles. It happens. It's also such a stupid argument on Bilal's part because she could have easily in that moment just been like, well, are you going to cheat on me or leave me? No. Well, then we don't need this because we're going to be married for the rest of our Mm. lives. So what is the point of this? Because we're going to have this incredible relationship. Like it's such bullshit. I agree with all of Shida's points. And if he was truly serious about, which again, I'm on board with him protecting his assets before he met her, making sure his kids get what they Mm -hmm. deserve. All of that sounds great. But then what clauses are we adding in that is also honoring the uh, sacrifices that Shida has made made, and will make in the relationship? And let's put those clauses in this baby. Like make sure like we are trying to procreate. I get X amount of money if this doesn't work. Like, yes, girl, fight for your mm-hmm. right. Can we also put a clause in there that says um Bilal's ex-wife Shahida will not be allowed to meddle in conversations that she has no place in? That was so asinine. Like, girl, Shahida, what were you thinking? Because one like to boil it down to the crux of the conversation, like she went over there to be like are you using Bilal for his mm-hmm. money? Are you a gold digger? One, if she was a gold digger, why would I tell you? Like, why would I fuck up my game like this? Like, right. I'm just going to admit to you, like, oh, yeah, I'm here using Bilal. So you're not going to get a straight answer. And whether she is or she isn't, that conversation about a prenup or their relationship, that's between Shida and Bilal, not mm-hmm. you. You, as the ex-wife and the mother of his children, you have his number, you have concerns, mm-hmm. let Bilal know. He can hear them, whatever. But don't be wasting my time when I could be doing downward dogs or whatnot. And I've got to be soaking up your negative energy. <laughs> and she came over super shady. She, you know, the whole preface was like, I just want to come over and chat. And then quickly turns on the attitude. Like, there was no need for the deception. And there was no need for the fucking attitude. Hell no, girl. I would have definitely... I'm trying to think of other yoga terms, and I'm totally blanking on them, but I would have warriored your ass out of the space because, yeah, this is actually my house now, too. I am living here, and you can see yourself out because this conversation is totally inappropriate, and your attitude is stank. I would have asked a kick to the na. <laughs> like, I don't know what the right word would be, but... um. 
I do love, though, that Shada wasn't intimidated by this because after Shahida gave the attitude and was like, you know, I'm just here for my kids, Shada allowed her to talk and then followed with looking her dead in the eye being like, are you good? Like, do you feel better now that you got that off your chest, little girl? I mean, it was ridiculous. And then so was the confessional afterward where Shahida, the ex-wife, is like, well, I ain't come here to play games. It's, well, neither did Shada, girl. So <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the elephant in the womb. Um, first, though, we'll acknowledge that Emily returned to the backup ring, which is fantastic because they're going to need that money now. They are truly going to need that money now, or at least uh, her dad's going to need that money. Can he get some of the money he lent her back? He's Can like get a couch. Like he's about to pass out. We need to make sure this man lands on like a soft place because his brain is his money maker, and everyone needs his money right now. Oh my lord! <sighs> Honestly. Listen, pregnancies, like accidental pregnancies, they happen. I'm not saying that anyone is a bad person for it. But for these two, I feel like an accidental pregnancy is very on brand for them, as is Emily's idea that she's going to hide the pregnancy pregnancy from her family until she's showing because she doesn't want to take away from the fun that they'll have at the wedding. Yeah, I'm sure that's the concern that the dad has. Like, oh, no, I... <laughs> Really looking forward to this wedding. And you know, when YMCA comes on and we are family, I don't want to have any stress inhibiting me from hitting that dance floor. Right. Or September by Earth, Wind and Fire. You know, like that's just like a classic wedding jam. But, <laughs> you know, most people who aren't trying to get pregnant, they use some form of birth control. And they didn't because Kobe was worried that birth control would mess with her ability to conceive later. Okay. Well, that's a very risky choice that you've made. I think what's even riskier is that Emily solely relied on an app to tell her that it was okay for Kobe to come inside of her. No, no, no. Kobe let us know like what we we've been we've been cautious. I've occasionally pulled out. <laughs> occasionally. <laughs> um well one of those times that you didn't pull out was uh the wrong time, my friend, cuz now you're expecting a uh, baby number 2. And this is where, like like you said, people have accidental pregnancies. Pregnancies are usually a blessing for most people. They're going to get married. So I understand these things happen. But you would think that, like, they should already know that Emily is quite fertile because they got pregnant pretty quickly True. the first time they met in China. So you think when he was first arriving to the U.S., they'd be like, all right, like, we need to strap up or... I got to get you, uh, you know, I got to get myself on the pill. <laughs> or, I mean, really pull out every time. If that's the only every way time. that you can be practicing some kind of, you know, precaution. Every time, you know. And I understand the stress that, that well, I don't know that Emily's necessarily feeling stressed. I think she is because she mentioned that she's like the sole money earner right now. But Kobe's really feeling the stress and the the worried feeling of like his in-laws are going to further disapprove of him and I just thought it was so fucking ridiculous that Emily was hurt that his immediate reaction wasn't happiness like this is a big piece of information it's happening at the wrong time he's allowed to feel worried first and foremost but it's also such a bullshit double standard and it's the same thing she did when she was like oh uh she was annoyed that he didn't originally that he didn't want to immediately go to the hotel room with her to ah, have boom, sex yeah. even though she told us in the confessional that she would have never agreed to that and that would have pissed her off it's the same thing she 
was not excited about this test result. She was really worried, but yet she wants him to be like elated. Like, Mm. no, you're both allowed to be concerned. Like you can still, I'm sure you'll get happy, but this is big news. She's on some fucking bullshit. Maybe her biggest concern is that um, she won't be able to fit in the hole that's in the middle of the boulder at Rock City with her pregnant belly. But um, we are at an end. So who gets your appreciation ring? And it could be separated for each week or combined, your choice. Uh, my appreciation ring for the episode from last week is going to go to John, um, just because I love his thoughtfulness for his brother. You know, he's trying to get this bachelorette par- bachelor party set up. And Thais is not thinking big picture because one of these exotic dancers that she does not want around Patrick could end up being her next Brazilian best friend. So you know what? Girl. Just let John do what he's going to do. Yes. And for this week, it's going to be to Kitsy, Kitsy, the Izzy, <laughs> the... The hairstylist with also all the wise words and the advice who just like really got Guillermo thinking. Yeah, absolutely. You know, mine also goes to John for last week because of his comedy. Thank you, John. And to your point, one of these exotic dancers could not only be her best friend, but one of them could be her future sister-in-law. Hence, a woman John will fall in love with who can take him into his own house and away from Tai. So she's really got to think this through. Think it through, girl. Yeah. Um, And my appreciation ring for this past week is going to go to Miona because she put on her big girl panties and went to have a big girl talk with her future mother-in-law. While wearing her big girl matching cardigan uh, (laughs) that matches with a big boy. uh, Jabri. Jabri. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Where is the money coming from for all these matching clothes? That should be going towards rent. But anyway, on that note, thanks all for tuning in. Be sure to give us five stars on the podcast app and a glowing review. And follow me on Instagram at Bored and Bitchy. That's Bored, Letter, and Bitchy. And we will be back next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Bored and Bitchy. 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 Sorry. (laughs) Bored and Bitchy.